See, something that I think I learned from Langan is is that the the abstract or the universal is not what is fundamental, nor um, um, is the the particular um, or the the concrete um, what is fundamental, but rather what what mediates between them and what um, shifts perspective. Um, uh, between them as analysis requires that is fundamental that that ultimate reality is both imminent and transcendent and what that means is uh, though it is the source of everything it cannot be separate from everything but must be sort of irreducibly joined to everything and within everything so understand how creation requires, because creation is generative. It it genuinely adds something, and so there there is there is um there is a way that that a price must be paid for the addition um, of of some new creation where you know the the price the price must be paid in terms of the suffering that will go along with said creation if there is a will. That is other than God's, um, you know, there will be sin, there will be grief, that that price has to be paid. So there's something canonic associated with creation. But the, the thing is, crucially, God can't pay that price from some absolute vantage point out there. There's nothing outside ultimate reality meaningfully. He has to pay it from within. You put these together, that means that the the... The, the proving point, the central turning point is within and it's in, um, you know, the, the person of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Um, it's not separate from or abstract or out there. Um, it's not a, it's not a symptom. It's a, it's, it's, it's an imminent fact um, uh, within, within, um, within history. Although, you know, it's, 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 its reverberations, um, it, it, its transcendent reverberations, sort of um, pervade everything, and are sort of um, echoed within us um, in our own sacrifices. You know, as it is written, uh, "One died for all; therefore, all died." Um, and um, yeah, that's another way to look at it. Um, it's quite interesting. Um, Meaning, in other words, because Jesus Christ made the sacrifice, so we all will necessarily imitate him. Um, so anyway, um, like as far as um, motivating the notion of incarnation, when you put those together, you just you just have incarnation. And um, that's why I like the video with um, Jonathan Pajot and Father Stephen DeYoung, or Young, um, talking about how you know, like Maxim is saying that the man Jesus created the world on the cross, uh, not just the like uh, pre-incarnate um, logos or something, but but actually the the man Jesus Christ on the cross was was creating um, the 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 universe. Okay, so I want to riff on this a little bit because I could totally agree with you completely. Um, but like, I feel like if I were to say something. I'm not saying this is a, like a dilemma. Like maybe these things just can't be reconciled anyway, or maybe they will be. I mean, as universalist, I think they ultimately will be, but I don't know how or when. But I was just thinking, like, if I say something like that to Jacob or a Jew, Jewish person in general, Orthodox Jew, I imagine they would say something like, 
well, then why isn't that Adam? Why isn't that Moses? Like, Jacob said all these things last night. He asked these questions, and I was like, these are really, really good questions. Like, why isn't it Moses? Why isn't Elijah? Why isn't it Job? Why isn't any, isn't any of God's, like, suffering servants? Why, is it, why isn't it any mediator or any martyr or the story of the ten martyrs uh, that Jacob tells? Like, why isn't it them uh, that are mediating between God and his creation? Um, and I would say they, they are. Like, that's what it means to be a son of God in a way. But why is Jesus different? Um, so, like, I'm thinking about that question, and I think I have, like, maybe some of my own ideas or maybe some of my own answers. I can think of, like, normal Christian answers, but then I even still have to be, like, there's just so many things. It's like, you know, well, because Jesus is God and they're not God in the flesh. And then I'm like, well, what does that even mean? And then, um, like, then you have to, that's what I mean. Like, all these things are coming into this one idea where I'm just like, uh, anyways, uh, what would you say to that question? Like, why not these other mediators why why is jesus why jesus over these um other suffering servants that seem to almost do the same thing that christ did i i mean when you look at stephen the martyr is very similar and maybe i mean i'm not i sorry i said that statement and i wasn't trying to be like just dismissive or anything because like maybe that just is the answer. It's just like, well, Christ is God, and that's that's the only answer there is. But then, but then I still just get it. I think personally, I just then I start to get a little confused about theosis because in the way the whole Trinitarian pattern seems to work, and the idea of theosis. Um, but I think maybe your idea of the candle, the one flame that lights all the other flames, kind of solves that. Um, I'm not sure. All right, I'm gonna shut up and just let you answer. Uh, See, this is a very interesting question, and, and my reaction to it is like this. It's like Jesus is these things because that's what he symbolizes. In other words, the ultimate reality is self-referential. It's a kind of self-symbolizing symbol. It's both, it's both the word and the reality, right? And it's fractally so. Because um, the reality upon inspection turns out to be, let's say, another kind of dyad of weird and reality and so on. And, and so, in other words, if someone were to say, well, how come it's not Moses? How come it's not Elijah? My question, what I want to ask is, is that what Moses symbolizes? That he symbolized that when you look at Moses, you are to understand that he's God? Is that what the symbolism and the story around his person mean? Is that how Moses is to be interpreted? And if so, what is it about the figure of Moses which, which commends this interpretation? Um, because I'm not really aware of that, let's say, body of literature or that tradition of reading scripture that says that, you know, based on these things and these symbols, Moses is to be understood as God made man. Ditto Elijah, ditto anyone. So that that's that's this is this is where my mind goes with that question. To answer your other remark, it's like where you feel tempted to say just because he just is, you know, we need to appreciate that about identity, that it is in a way self presupposing. You can't ask you can't presupp you can't start with the assumption X is X and then ask now why is X X? 
that doesn't make sense because to ask why x is x is to presuppose that x is possibly not itself, but it has to be itself. So if you begin with the assumption that it is what it is, you can't ask why it is what it is. Um, I hope that makes sense. Um, and so, you know, the, the, you can ask whether we have reason to believe some description matches some person. That's a separate question, though. And again, so like, if the sayings reported of Jesus are true, they constitute reasons to believe that, you know, he is who we believe him to be. Now, just because we have these, these sayings doesn't mean the sayings are necessarily true. I'm not, I'm not claiming that, but I'm saying at a minimum, there would have to be smoke, even if the smoke doesn't necessarily mean fire. So there would have to be sayings of some kind. What are the sayings with regard to Moses and Elijah that suggest some interpretation where, oh, yeah, Moses was God in human form, or Elijah, ditto, etc. So maybe that goes some distance toward answering the question as well. If you want me to sort of be a logician and tie it all in a nice little bow, here's how I would put it. Ultimate reality must necessarily satisfy some description as follows that it be a sort of self that it be self referential in such a way where it's a, it's a self symbolizing symbol it's this this fractal pattern where um it's it's um it 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 represents itself um um, it's it's both symbol and uh, reality, and you know when you delve into what the reality is, it turns out to be um, of the same nature. Um, it's a it's, it's a symbol which um, stands forth from um, this mysterious um, uh, further reality that has in turn to be delved into, etc. Um, okay, and then number two. Um, it doesn't make any sense to ask why something is what it is. Um, we can ask whether we have reason to believe some description matches um, it, or it, you know, some description corresponds to it. This description of sort of the the, um, the self-symbolizing, you know, ultimate reality. Um, uh, but but we can't really ask. Um, why it is what it is, if it is what it is. And so number three, the question then becomes um, whether, um, you know, any, say, candidates for this 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 God-man ultimate reality, this sort of self-symbolizing symbol, um, whether uh, there is reason to believe that they they meet the description that I first sort of set out as a condition. Um, and then we have to ask what it is about them that makes us say that, oh yeah, this one is both God and man. This one is both creator and creature. Um, is there something about some candidate where it leads us to this conclusion? Um, and uh, if so, what is it? Because that makes sense to ask whether, whether they satisfy the description doesn't really make sense to ask whether um, if 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 they are that individual that satisfies that description why they are the individual they are 
that that question does not make sense. It's like asking, why is Jason Jason? Well, if Jason could possibly not be Jason, um, <laughs> if you're asking, if you're asking why Jason is Jason, you're you're presupposing possibly Jason is not Jason. But if Jason is Jason, then it's not the case that Jason is not Jason. So, um, yeah, that that's like that's really just me restating the same things, but slightly more logically. So I haven't listened to the last one yet. Um, but the one, so there is a saying, I think in in Exodus where it says uh, Moses will be to the Israelites as God, like um, Aaron will be like the prophet to Moses and Moses will be like God. And I think he even says like, you're gonna be to Pharaoh like God as well. But I think in context, that's taken as like a mediating position. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, I, I mean, I think you're right um, that, you know, there's, as far as I know, there's not any sort of like theological belief that Moses is God or there's any claims like that. Uh, some people maybe reverence him that far, I guess. But even still, like looking at the, um, uh, what was my, my mind's kind of drawn here too. Um, uh, what's the, yeah, the God made man in his image. So, like, in, in any, in that sense, you could almost say that, and that's what I mean, I think, with theosis as well, too. Like, you could, from a Jewish standpoint, you could kind of say, well, they're all, uh, in, in one way, God, uh, one way or another God. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I'm not, I'm really not, like, I, I agree with you. I'm not trying to, like, argue with you. I'm basically just trying to play devil's advocate and, uh, um, because I know, in <laughs> uh, trying these to figure out and explore these ideas, I'm always playing devil, devil's advocate with myself. Um, not to try to anticipate arguments or debates, but to really try to, I guess, dig at what's truth and if it is true, how to express it, I guess. Sorry, man, it was a work call. I don't know what I was saying. Oh, yeah, anyways, the resur I think it was the resurrection or something. Um, so... Yeah, he comes back to life, and then he's appearing in different forms, it says in Mark, and then he's walking through walls and stuff, and uh, it sounds like cool stuff, and I like it, and it does seem very incarnate, because he says, handle me, flesh and bone. Like, I've just never really known how to, how to, uh, conceptualize this, other than to just take a leap of faith and believe it, which, and, and let it remain a mystery, which I'm okay with doing that. Um, well, I say I'm okay with doing that, but then I'm still asking these questions. So I don't really know. Um, I mean, I mean, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't like, it doesn't ruin my faith or anything. Like I still believe in Christ wholeheartedly. Um, but, um, I just don't know how to answer these, these questions when they get posed to me or even when I ask them myself, like, what is the resurrection? And then even the ascension, I'm like, what is the ascension? And then, you know, it, as a kid, you just picture him kind of floating away and, and then I'm like, you know, if I'm being honest, that's that's how it has to be in my head. Because I'm like, if he is in bodily form, then w what did he just turn into dust and like float off? Like just blow away? Like, I, like where did his body go? Like I understand what it means to ascend like mentally or spiritually and all that stuff. But I'm like, but he was in a body. And then, you know, I asked Peugeot that question one time and he just kind of laughed at it. Uh... And was like, what do you think that means? Like, and didn't answer the question or didn't even attempt to answer it. And it was kind of this weird dismissal of it where I'm like, it's a conundrum for me, man. I don't know. And then like the, 
the return, he says he will come in the same way you saw him go. He will come the he will come that in that same way. He he will return that same way. Um, but then when I brought up to Jacob last night, there's this weird passage in John chapter three where he's talking to Nicodemus, and Christ says, "No one uh, has seen the Father except him who was in heaven." Or there's something he something says something like. No one can ascend unless he first descends. Uh, the same as the Son of Man who is with the Father in heaven. I, he, Jesus makes this weird statement, man, where I'm like, wait. So he is basically saying to Nicodemus that he descended from heaven, yet he came through a woman. And I'm like, I I, I just don't know, man. There's it, all this really strange, mysterious stuff that's going on. And I, I feel like somehow it's going to snap together for me but I feel like there's some sort of mental wall in my way I really don't know don't know what I'm doing here I, I, with this like I don't know how like I feel like it's it's there's, all these things seem so mysterious and then there's just gonna be a time where it's just like oh gosh that that's it and it's so, gonna be so simple but it's just like this weird little block it like block I have in my mind or something that I, I I can't seem to get around, or, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe I just need to pray some more, and, uh, try to, uh, be more attentive to it, I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, regarding, um, Moses, um, the tradition is not that he is somehow both, uh, God and man, or it's, it's not that he's God, let alone that he is somehow both God and man, right? Um, now, there is some sense in which everyone can be said to be God. The question is whether Jesus can be said to be God in uh, a stronger sense than you or I can. Um, or, or is it the case that oh, whatever sense we can say uh, we, we can mean that Jesus is God. Um, it, it, it cannot be any stronger than the sense that, you know, we can, we can mean when we say that you or I am God. And this came up in my conversation with Jacob. And that's what I was talking about. What it might mean to be the, to be the, um, reflection of someone's will. Um, you know, for example, in a video game, your character is you, even though it's not you. Do you know what I mean? Because in, in the, your character is you in the game because it reflects your will, reflects your positive will. And Jacob said, well, um, if that merely means not sinning, then anyone who doesn't sin is is God. And or yeah, in other words, anyone who avoids doing uh, certain sinful things, I mean, it would be kind of hard to find a human being who never once did anything sinful. But, you know, I was also talking about how it's about avoiding, say, sins of omission and of, of commission. Um, but, um, in other words, it would be something like, it's not only what, um, it's, it's not only what you, or it's not only what you do, but it's also what you don't do. Anyway, you know, that, that came up as an aspect of it, but, the the thing is the interesting thing is that what you would call free will it 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 relates to like the knowability of your own intentions and your own will 
And so in some sense, it's like Jesus Christ is something like the known will of God. And then we all are the unknown will of God. Um, if, if that would make sense. I mean, I do think that there is a stronger sense in which Jesus is God, stronger sense than you or I, that the man Jesus is God, and that he he reflects the positive will of God, not just the permissive will. He's like God's known will, and we are the unknown will. So in other words, I don't think it's the case that um, any sense that Jesus can be said to be God is 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 um, the same sense that you and I can be said to be God. I think it's different. That's, it did come up um, there between me and Jacob, and he said, well, it's a better moral example to have someone who fails and gets back up than someone who's perfect. And it's like, first of all, the, the issue does not turn on what, you know, or not entirely on the, the quality of the moral example or the, the desirability um, of, of Jesus as a moral example. Um, although on another, on another level, it is, if you're aiming at something, you are aiming at perfection. Perfection has to exist, you know, as a concept, even if it's not, um, even if it's not achievable in practice. But the other thing is that it's not really just about whether he was the best moral example or not. I think it's about more than that. I think it's about God existing in his own mind as as his idea of himself, because um, there is, but there's nowhere else for that idea well there's no one else nowhere else for god to exist except in his own mind but no but but more so it has to do with this sort of the the union um of of um let's say creator and creation and some more fundamental um for lack of a better term hypostasis or instantiation um it has to do with like this kind of weird fractality um anyway yeah i really really like everything you said here um yeah, so I feel like there needs to be, uh, I need to kind of hammer down on, on the, uh, not not like against Jacob, hammer down, but hammer down in my own mind, like really uh, the, I guess, sinless nature of Christ, that he is the ideal, something to aim at, he is God, um, uh, which, I mean, I, I believe all those things, it's just, um, and it, you, because you mentioned I, I don't know. You said you said a lot there. It was all really good, but do you, I remember you did mention like Jacob said. Well, it's it's better to have the the one who falls and repents. But it's like, but there would be no repentance if there was no ideal. Like there wouldn't be because what you have to have an aim, and if you're aiming at the ideal man, the ideal man actually has to exist. Otherwise, you wouldn't actually get back up. Like there wouldn't be a, a getting up from the fall. Yeah, it might make a better story, but. Yeah, there wouldn't be this this return um, if there was nothing to re to try to return to. I guess, yeah. So in that sense, Christ is uh, the God Man. He's the perfect the perfect being. Um, yeah, and that that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I would try to say again, better than I said before, that that it's not just about what Jesus didn't didn't do it's about what he did do so it's about it's 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 he did what god would do if if god were here in human form 
when we're playing a video game, your character is your character because it's doing what you would do. It's not doing what I would do. Um, and so it's not just that he managed to avoid sinning and therefore he's God. It's that it's in other words, it's not that he avoided sins of commission and therefore he's God. It's also about what he what he positively did do. Something like making full use of your potential. He avoided sins of omission. But but see, even so, if you just view it merely negatively, that's it's it's incomplete. You have to look at what you have to look at what he did do. So the the miracles of our Lord are reprisals of of certain divine themes, right? And um, um, that's why there's a whole George MacDonald um, like sermon series on that, right? And so, uh, and the walking on the water and the, the dying and the resurrecting, you know, that's, that's like, um, it's, uh, that's, that's, that's the, that's the, um, like the new creation, right? Or like, behold, I'm making all things new. Every, every, everything is, is, uh, is of that pattern. Um, and so, um, anyway, um, my brain is slow right now. Everything you're saying makes a lot of sense to me. Um, the Pajot thing, um, what did, you said he dismissed it. What does it mean to go up? Well, you know, that's a very interesting question because what does it mean to go up? Because in NDEs, they go up, but they don't go in the far reaches of outer space. You know, they go up in terms of some kind of hierarchy of concepts they go up qualitatively not quantitatively along the dimension of distance right and um you know there has to be something that gets unlocked in our minds where we just snap out of viewing things only spatio-temporally and we understand that 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 continuum is a reflection of some more fundamental continuum which is a kind of qualitative hierarchy of, of, of concepts in some way that, 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 that the play of the mind is totally free and unbound along any dimension it can conceive, you know, I mean, anyway, um, what is it? What is it? I mean, I don't know. That's how I would try to answer the question. Um, because it's clearly not that he just went far out into outer space. He went up into heaven. Heaven is not in some direction that I can point, right? And um, same thing with like, hey, where's Jesus' body right now? The Pajot, Pajot just said it's in God. Well, God's just outside somewhere? You know, it's like the thing is if there's creation over here and God over there, what's under both creation and God? It's God, right? So in other words, in other words, God is not wholly separable from his creation. Um, and, 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 and what is it, you know, what does it mean? Where, where, where exactly does that place God's body in relation to his creation? That, and the question doesn't go away. It's a mystery. Um, you know, that doesn't mean it's a bad question. Mystery doesn't mean it's a bad question. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think that was kind of a, I mean, maybe... Maybe he was very polite about it. I don't know, but it sounded like he was dismissive about it, which is kind of. But hey, you know he's he's French Canadian. That's why. <laughs> French Canadians are are you know just like anyone with any amount of French Canadian blood is just like as far as I'm concerned, it's like just 
they're just you know insufferable awful people so okay um another recording on sort of the motivation for the incarnation at least as far as let's say order of knowing rather than like order of being in other words providing the epistemic or philosophical motivation for it um so i i talked about um the need for um creation uh to be joined to god if it is to have being at all but it's like if it um can be joined to god it has to already eternally uh like always have been joined to god this recalls a quote from david bentley hart that um if 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 god could become man that means god was uh because god doesn't change you know god was eternally always human on some level and likewise Humanity is possessed of a certain original divinity for David Bentley Hart. Um, Jordan Daniel Wood has a little bit of a different conception of things. And um, um, at least to a point, at least as far as I understand the debate, I think I, I side with Wood. And here's why I say that. Um, there's a way that um, infinite reality takes the form of a dialectic. It's like thesis, antithesis, synthesis, which begets a new, um, which which synthesis in turn functions as a new thesis, which begets its own antithesis, and, and it goes on ad infinitum. Um, and, and But there's a way that the direction of this dialectic is, is downward. Maybe I'll say a little bit more about it. So like... Um, there's like every time you have X and not X, there's something more fundamental than both, which is underneath both. And what that has to do is like if you, there's something, it, it, it gains its identity from what it isn't. So X gains its identity from what is not X, which means that there's this hypothetical union of X and not X, which is functions as a kind of infinite because it's both and slash neither nor. And it's like... It's, it's what, I think it's what Langan calls a unisect. It's just like it's like the whole thing. It's the it's the predicate plus its complement equals like the whole shebang sort of, and it has an infinite and undefined sort of character. Um, so you go down to it, um, it's it, it, it's it's more fundamental. So, um, uh, every, every time you have you have like. Um, an identity there's it has a complement and then there's something underneath both of them more fundamental than either and so this this dialectic um it has a it has a downward direction always toward what is more more fundamental um but what is more fundamental um turns out to be see okay wood and heart were debating over like whether it's nature or hypostasis in a sense, they were debating over whether it's the universal or it's the particular, because the hypostasis is kind of like something concrete. Um, it's 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 this um, it's, it's almost like this particular union of opposites, or it's a standing forth. A hypostasis is a it's it's a it's a standing forth. Like the Trinity is three hypostases, one Godhead. So the hypostases, in a sense, I think, are more specific than the than the godhead which they instantiate um and um so the point is it's like it's like whatever joins god whatever joins creation to god is god more fundamentally 
it is the incarnation, which is which is particular, but it's also sort of revealed to be more more fundamental. I'm not doing a very good job thus far of arranging my ideas in the right order, um, but there is a way that the the the, the direction um, of the dialectic is downward, and this has a way of favoring hypostasis over nature. And and again, I'll say it's like it's always going down to what is more more fundamental. But what is more fundamental is is, is always revealed to be um, um, something particular and 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 realer and more fine grained, um, and um, you know more possessed of of uh, reality. It's like more more incarnate, for for lack of a better term. Um, and um, this. This this hypostasis, this this hypostatic union of opposites, because everything on some levels is a sort of union of opposites. <laughs> the hypostasis or the incarnation that Christ is is a union of opposites, you know, humanity, divinity, and that this this um, this hypostatic union of opposites is is what's holding everything together. It's why we say Christ is in everything. Um, um, it's holding everything together so that Christ is the is of identity. And now at this point, one is definitely tempted to ask, if this is if this is just a general pattern, and it's so general that it applies to everything, so how does this really relate to the man Jesus Christ? Um, yeah, everything is a union of opposites, and if we want, we can play some word game where we just say, well, and that's and that union of opposites is Jesus, but what does that really have to do with the person who died on the cross at Golgotha? Um and so this gets back to what I was saying about how we think that causation happens on the material plane and it functions in terms of efficient causes and mechanisms and it's linear and it kind of unfolds in time. But real causation um, happens on a higher plane. The sort of It happens on the dimension of intention and, and the binding of will, um, what, what Langan calls telesis. Um, there is something here in the nature of an original choice which allows creation to be. Let me read a paragraph from Christopher Langan. Um, he's always sort of impenetrable, but just listen, listen for the music of it. According to the reality principle, the universe is self-contained, and according to infocognitive monism, it regresses to a realm of nil constraint, unbound telesis or UBT. That's that that's that both and neither nor thing I was talking about, from which it must refine itself. According to the telic principle, which states that the universe must provide itself with the means to do this, it must make and realize its own choice to exist by reason of its absolute priority. This act of choice is identical to that which is chosen, that is the universe itself, and thus it is reflexive or it acts on itself. In other words, existence is everywhere the choice to exist. Accordingly, the universe must adopt a reflexive form in which it can select itself for self-defined existence, with the selection function identical to that which is selected. This means that it must take a certain general or initial form, the multiplex unity form. And that's actually, again, that's the um, union of opposites right there. Um, the the identity of identity and difference that that's the that's the is of hypostatic um, um, identity. Um, um, in other words, it's Jesus. Uh, um, 
the, the multiplex unity form, okay, this means that it must take a certain general or initial form, the multiplex unity form, which contains all of the requisites for generating the contents of reality, due to holology, whereby the self-contained universe has nothing but, uh, but itself of which to consist, this form is self-distributed. It's in everything. And so what I'm saying is, okay, in order for creation to have being at all, it has to be joined to God. Um, whatever joins God to God is God more fundamentally. What I'm saying is you're just always, it's just fractal Jesus all the way down. You're just always uncovering deeper levels of incarnation, basically. But the incarnation is always what you uncover. Um, and, um, so, and, 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 um, Luke, Luke talked about this too. Like he talked about if time can flow in both directions or be, be arbitrarily, be arbitrary in terms of the direction that it flows in, it's still, there needs to be some kind of reference point or instantiation point. And what that, what that effectively is, is the final cause or that for the sake of which, um, creation was created. It was essentially loving relationship with us, um, the relationship with us was the end in itself um, uh, that, um, that, that, that motivated um, creation slash, slash incarnation. And that required the sort of canonic um, death to self um, represented by um, um, bearing, you know, all, all, all the sin um, and, and, and otherness, um, for lack of a better term, that, that is involved in creating um, uh, creatures such as ourselves with different wills from God and, and sinful wills. Um, um, you know, as, you know, our wills are sinful as we grope toward the light <clears throat> that is God. Um, so, let me see, talked a little bit about the Luke recording. Um, I mean, there's more here. I still probably haven't really said it. I still haven't probably really said it but um i think maybe this is a start yeah i do i totally uh, agree i like everything you said here um i need to keep <laughs> keep hearing it keep repeating it so i can get it uh in me so it'll flow out of me better um but i totally agree i just uh i don't think i've formed quite as good as language around it as you have um so but the other thing too is like uh here's one thing i keep trying to push against it as hard as i can um I'm not really sure for for uh for what reasons. I guess I guess just because um if I uh, so let's say whatever joins God to God uh whatever joins God to his creation is more God basically. Um it's more fundamentally God because God had to join himself to his creation in order to even create it. Uh, and that makes sense. But then it's like, well, there's the question is still a little bit um why not Moses? But I guess you could say that it was Moses for a time because Moses was kind of a mediator for a time. Um, and I think that's the reason why, uh, I mean, is I'm kind of asking a question too. Is that the reason why Christ is more Moses? Because he is the God in man. He is the divine man. Um, and then he is off also like accepted. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's the resurrection and everything. I, I don't really know how to put it. It seems... So I guess what I'm saying, there's also Melchizedek, which was like priest of God Most High. He was kind of a mediator between God and man that came to Abraham, um, which I think some he's still mysterious. Like nobody knows who he is or what he is. But all we know is like in Hebrews, it says he's eternal, basically he exists forever. So you could argue he's kind of like Metatron or like uh, Jesus or something like that. Um, 
and I think Christ is the first, I guess Christ is the first man, uh, God, well, he's God, but he's also the first man to kind of inherit that, I guess what we would say, angelic form, like he kind of becomes, uh, Enochian Metatron or something, I don't really know, I'm probably not tracking with you, right, man, because you, you're explaining everything so, uh, like, precisely and perfectly, and then I, I keep, like, uh, falling into this weird loop um i think i'm like kind of almost purposely falling into it though where i'm 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 really trying to just uh wrestle out all the little knots and stuff here that i think you've already you've already um wrestled with that i quite haven't yet or haven't developed in my own language or anything um so yeah sorry sorry if i'm if this is frustrating you and have patience with me man just not quite there yet but i mean like I, I totally agree with everything i guess i also wonder too though is uh is so here's a here's another question i kind of want to add on to it because if if even if you were to say like okay moses was a mediator back then so in a way he was kind of gosh, i don't think i'd say he's god though i guess you would say he's god in the way that he brought the word of god to the people so he is kind of carrying god's word or you could say maybe kind of i guess that's maybe more like an angel or something Anyways, but then there's more. So Christ is more. Christ is a lot more. So if it, even in the process of time, there's a there's a greater mediator. Um, but it says that Christ is the only mediator between God and man. Um, so, uh, I mean, it makes. Then I just wonder what theosis is, because theosis seems to be more. And I think God would want it that way, because because God is more if He's all in all, and God is more with more mediating forces um and he can be more because then he can keep creating through greater mediation uh i guess something like that but there still seems to always be the one like you're talking like you mentioned the one candle that lit all the other flames the one that uh that yeah he's like the one the one meteor because i think the only way that we're mediators is because we're married to christ um so he is the I don't know, man. I, I, sorry. I just, I'm sure I just sound like a scattered mess. I'm literally just talking out loud and letting words fall out of my mouth like a moron. I mean, I shouldn't say moron. Like, uh, maybe I don't sound like a moron, but sometimes I think it's a, a moronic thing to just <laughs> open my mouth without necessarily thinking first. So that's, that's what I mean when I say moron. I should probably think about my words a little bit more before I just say them and spew them out. I really don't want to sound like I have all the answers or like you have to agree with me. I remember it was something I told you in another one of our conversations that if if you ask Jesus, do we talk about you? T don't we talk about you too much? It's like he he would have to agree, but only because we we said it. It's like, you know, you have said it. Um, and what I mean is that Jesus, he, 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 he dies in order so that we can be. Um, and because he's, he's, he's ultimate reality that's holding everything together. You see his arms wide on the cross. Um, he's, he's holding reality together. He's being God. And so the, the, he's being ultimate reality. So the, the thing is, there's always, I think, maybe, I don't know. See, what is, what is presuppositional? It's, it's like, 
it's alpha and omega, it, it presupposes itself. And that means it's not quite derived sequentially or linearly in the way that we would like. Um, it, it's, it's sort of baffling, like the cross is, um, is, 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 is folly to those who are perishing. But we, you know, the Jews ask for a sign, Greeks seek wisdom, but we, we, we preach Christ crucified. And that's a, that's a stumbling block. And then, of course, if I say that, and people just jump on it and be like, well, you're admitting it's, it's bankrupt, right? And um, uh, I mean, regarding, but of course, I'm not saying that either. Um, um, I, I, th I think it has to do with this strange looping dynamic that we got a glimpse of in the, in the Christopher Langan quote, um, and uh, which, which means it, it's not which means that Moses is comparable on one level, but on another level, he's truly not. I would say that that, that Jesus is. Oh gosh, this is going to sound this is going to sound potentially terrible. Jesus is not more God than you or I. The difference is logical priority, something like logical priority. It's it, the difference is not quantitative. He's not more God, um, but th but there is a way that we, if we become God, we become God through Him, in Him, by Him, um, and He is the God that we become. Um, and you know, like I am tripping on my own words in a way that I find useful and good. Like I wrote um, creation. Uh, First, I'll just say as an aside, maybe it was useful for the previous uh, recording to understand that for Maximus, um, the incarnation um, was not just a sort of means to an end, a plan B response to the fall. Um, the incarnation was um, an end in itself, that for the sake of which there could be no greater end. So um, I wish I had mentioned that in the previous recording, but whatever. Um, um, for Maximus the Confessor. Um, now I wrote something else too, which I'm going to explain. I'm going to lay out as an example of me not getting it. Um, I said creation required something canonic. So you know, there's something canonic about creation. It's God. God. It's like a Simpson. God. God making room, right? And um, but the nature of ultimate reality itself requires that God eternally be eternally joined to His creation. Uh, eternally joined to history on some level. And um, now the question is whether this kenosis has to show up in history. And I don't think I so much answer that as assume that in the following. I wrote, a, I wrote an explanatory note to myself. The creation always has to be joined to God. So this kenosis had to be a real event in creation, in history. And therefore, God had to be in, cre in his creation to do this. But I guess what I'm wondering is why can't creation as a whole be regarded as the kenosis? Why does it have to show up in fractal, self-similar fashion within the very creation itself as its own discrete event? Um, I have no argument for this beyond the intuition that that ultimate reality is self-referential, self fractal, self-similar, and that it and that it does this <laughs> in strange looping fact in strange looping fashion or um so which is to say i don't have an argument for it and i wouldn't want to compel or coerce belief in this
but I'm mystified by this. Um, I think it's something which appears very stupid, like um, uh, like maybe Gentiles just groping and finally figuring out in something like the, the true principle of Simpson or the, the holy abstract kenosis. But because they're so limited in terms of their ability to think abstractly, they have to concretize it in the form of, a, of an event. Um, but, but, you know, I think, I think that's the whole flaw is to lean way too much on transcendence or, or to continually emphasize transcendence over imminence. I think that the, the true nature of ultimate reality, as I said before, is not such that uh, the universal or the transcendent is, is primary or even that the, well, I said, I said, I said it kind of favors the particular and that, and that's really because there is, there is no universal without a particular. Particular is kind of almost the name we give to the to the, the irreducible union of the the universal and the particular. Particular, in this sense, is all that we are and all that we know. It's all incarnation. Um, but again, have I elucidated the mystery? No. Um, uh, am I going to say that in principle it can't be elucidated? I'm not sure I can even say that. Um, um, you know, but but I'm I'm saying I'm 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 right there with you in terms of not getting it, and I don't want to be sound, sounding like I'm an expert or someone who's got it all figured out, and someone who's requiring that everyone conform to him. Um, uh, that is that is not Christ. That is the opposite of Christ. Dude, this one is really 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 good. Uh, I'm gonna I want to save it. I tried to save it to my phone, but for some reason, whenever I try to save your messages, I go back to play them and they're blank. Um, I don't know why it does that. Um, I don't like it because you said uh, that, that you don't want to sound like you know everything. Uh, that's another reason. I thought you were hitting on some really, really good ideas. And it just... I don't, I don't know if it's just the way you said it in that one, too. Like, uh, was making even more sense to me. I mean, the other ones made sense. But I think that one just, like, you said it at a different angle or something where I think it was clicking more. Um, yeah, and I think... I think... I totally agree. And I think it's uh, the... I, I, it is where, like... I mean, like I've said before, like Christ isn't everything. Like everything is Christ, or it ceases to exist. It, it. That's just the way it is. Like that's the way. I mean, I don't even necessarily think this way. I, I see it. Like I literally think that's the way it is. And, like when you're talking about kenosis, it's like that's. Uh, yeah. Is there? I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that's, God reaching to the furthest. Because that's what Christ does is he reaches to the furthest too. And it's God reaching to the furthest of his creations. Eternally reaching. Eternally reaching. Uh, that way he can keep creating more and more. And um, however far it, it is from the light, he'll pull it back to to himself. Um, if that even makes sense of what I said that. I guess I'm wondering too, is there a greater... I, see, that's the thing though. Christ Christ does it in such an ultimate way. Where like when I'm... That one statement, forgive them Lord, they know not what they do. Is just kind of like the, the eternal reaching statement um the acknowledgement of god being all-knowing and then in forgiveness being all reaching or something like that uh and so it's it's this i don't know that there can be a greater kenosis than that um because that i guess i could ask that question like is there a greater a greater uh manifestation of of something like christ and i i guess you could say it's it's theosis um it's it's when all all creation is fully embodying what christ embodied um but it's still he's the firstborn 
so yeah i don't know it's all these things gosh they're so refreshing to say and so nice to just <laughs> like think on but i guess it's just the reason i think i keep i keep hammering at it is because i'm wondering like you know these are things i agree with and these are things that make sense to me and these are things that i think are right i don't see how they can't be but then um if i'm when i'm hold on i'll, I'll end it here then i'll start another one so when i'm in like conversation with jacob though it's like he has i feel like i could feel myself saying all these things and i know there's a wall there and and i think some of his objections there's a lot of validity to him because i think he's been in so many discussions so many debates with and watched so many maybe like weird evangelical things like people have sent him this or that to where like he i've heard him say multiple times now like he's almost kind of surprised a lot by christianity because he's like you know 20 years ago like this it was not like this and he's like and uh from my from what i thought christianity was most christians didn't think this way and i think he's right most christians don't like you were kind of in this little corner quote unquote say so it's like uh people are coming to him and they're like you know it's not this way that the obje objections you have they're they're valid and we we have the same objections um so i don't know but then there's still this part of me where i think like i'm just wondering if the reason I'm hammering at it is because I'm trying to find another language or a softer language to kind of like, not to to sneak in a weird theology and like hit him with it, you know, um, but to like actually talk about it where it's not like a combative conversation, just more of like a, a synthesis or something like that. Um, but then part of me wonders, is this all just futile? Like, because uh, the thing with Christ is it's like, and jacob says this about christians too he's like you know they're just like it's almost like they're too humble it's like you but that's the idea of it it's like there's this something about christ where it's just extremely eternally humbling and it's like it almost takes that to to have that what i would say the lifting of the veil where jacob i think has a problem with that too he's like you know moses didn't didn't have a veil over his face and you know all this stuff and i I mean, I think he's right to some degree because I think sometimes we push these things too far into a ditch or whatever. And we make it sound like Moses was totally blind and he obviously wasn't because he was seeing patterns in heaven and he wrote this freaking amazing scripture. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. So, like, like there's, yeah, it's like he, he's wrong, but he's right at the same time when I'm talking to Jacob a lot of times. So I, that's how I feel at least. And, and I feel like I'm the same way. I'm wrong, but I'm right most of the time. Um, I think that's maybe why I keep just kind of going in circles, hammering at the same thing that like I already know to be true. Like it's like I already like Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ, like Christ is everywhere. <laughs> it's gosh, and it's just so peaceful to know that, to see that, to to believe that. Um, but it's still like I'm I'm I feel like I'm just walking around it, just hammering at it and hammering at it. And I almost with less and less fear because I know it's not going anywhere. Like if Christ is in everything, then, then he's going to be in everything. But I'm like, I don't, I just, uh, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's to try to find a, a certain language for it or a better way to communicate it. Or, um, cause even with Moses mediating, like what I would say is that that's Christ and Moses. Like that's the, the spirit of that Christ emanates the spirit of God in Christ. Uh, is what is the mediating force through Moses. Like, it's, it was eternal. Yeah, like you're saying. It's, I don't know. I'm just repeating you. Sorry. 
See, on some level, what this whole subject is circling around is whether um, the, you know, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, you know, a, a, a literal event in in which, in whom, you know, and you know, God, God is embodied, or if this is just a symbolic description of the way that reality works. And um, I, I think that what's interesting to me about the figure of the cross is that um, it is a symbol, but on some level, what it symbolizes is literality, is concrete particularity, actuality embodiedness and there's almost a sort of ontological argument where it's like the event than which none more you know embodied or, or particular or concrete or real or incarnate can be conceived and in order for the symbol to mean what it means it, it has also to be realized and it, it has to it has to be in reality um, and also that this, this kenosis, it, to, to be, to be real, it has to be particularized, dare we say, because it can't, it can't remain totally, um, abstract. Otherwise it's still in the realm of unrealized potential to be real. It has to be sort of particular because particular is just the name that we give to that sort of actually irreducible union of the, of the universal in the particular why because this is this is um uh, this is ultimate reality that uses a word to define a word like the infinite it's the infinite can only be defined as the interplay between the finite and the infinite in other words the definition um is um is it's it's self-referential it does not reduce to something more fundamental than itself else it would not be ultimate reality. So for that reason, I'm still inclined to suspect that, you know, like the, the kenosis, it, it had, it had to be, um, a part, a, a real event in the sense of, you know, having, having a particular occurrence and God had to be in his creation in order to, uh, enact that kenosis. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And I think that's why, uh, it does have to be very, very particular, and I think that's why uh, the reason for kenosis, but also in yeah, in the resurrection and in the ascension, and that's why I think even with those things, like I was saying, it it gets a bit confusing for me because I'm like, it has, it can't just be some weird symbolic thing. Like it can't, it can't be. It can't just be some like either hack. Like I guess I know that heaven's out there, and you can't point to it. But I'm like, but then at the same time, we do point to it. We always point up. You know, it's like, so there is this, like, that's also going on. Um, but then, like, I just think that uh, we lose, gosh, we lose so much hope, I think, if we let go of the particular. And I think that's why, I, I, I think even with the, the historic, you know, like you're talking about the resurrection and the ascension and like, did it actually happen? I'm like, yeah, it had to have happened. But then I think the one thing where like, I, I still get a little, um, I don't get confused, I guess. I just, uh, I, what causes me to wonder is, uh, the Stephen, the martyr, 
and other martyrs, I guess, but Stephen specifically because we get his words. So, like, we have other martyrs. Um, I think there were martyrs in the Old Testament too, where they would they would say stuff like, uh, "Lord God, uh, charge them with this evil that they're doing." <laughs> like, it's like almost the opposite of what Christ does. Like, they're sure they're getting martyred for speaking the truth, but it's still kind of like, uh, like, "Don't forget me, Lord," and and don't forget what these people are doing to me. Like, bring justice. Uh, but Jesus and Stephen are both like the same in that. Um, they say, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they do. So they, in that way, too, they engage in kenosis because they're going to, like, the depths of hell in that. Um, to sit to shit, sit shiva with, like, uh, the the, own peop- the peop- very people that are killing them. It, it's their... They're loving their enemies beyond measure. Um, and in that act, Christ gets resurrected and ascends to heaven. Does Stephen... Um, we, at least we don't have an account for it. So that's why I'm like, uh, that's just what causes me to wonder. Because you could, I mean, you could actually say, well, yeah, he maybe, maybe he did get resurrected and maybe he is in an angelic form and uh, able to come and go as he pleases, like Christ, um, and take on different forms and different bodies and go through walls and appear in visions and dreams and, uh, and not just in a weird mystical sense, but like uh, an actual sense. Um, I don't know, but that's also interesting, too, because Christ ascends into heaven, and then you don't really have many accounts after that of a physical... I mean, as far as I know, I don't think anybody's... Well, I, I feel like... Gosh, I feel like I shouldn't say that. Um, I feel like they see Christ in visions and things like that, but where we do see him is almost in something like our neighbor or our brother. Um, but that feels a little bit redundant to me at this point. I don't know. I'm just... Like I said, once again, I'm just spouting off random thoughts and everything. Um, so I know they're not necessarily all cohesive to the main topic. Well, I mean, I think they're kind of dancing around it, but not all very well organized. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Stephen is exhibiting the fractality, right? And you see that fractality in a number of places. You see it in Revelation... Uh, to the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit um, at my right hand. Um, you also see it, I would say, in the verse where he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It's as if, on a certain level, he's saying, if I, the visible Yahweh, be, be lifted up, become the invisible Yahweh, um, then, uh in other words, in other words, it's almost like he's becoming the father, just like in Revelation, Christ is sitting on the throne and becoming the father, in a sense, sitting on the great white throne. And um, uh, um, and you're sitting at his right hand like Christ does. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So I draw all men to myself. It's like almost make them Christ's. Um, and is there another verse about this? in which I see this, I'm sure there is. I'm not, I'm not recalling it. Um, so now, now the question is as far as still like the, the, so the, there's the theosis aspect. Yeah. And certainly the other verse is, is, uh, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, why do you say that I blaspheme when I say that I am the son of God? Um, he seems to be saying, um, that, um, that, that that we we too are uh if 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 that he if he is god then it's we we too are god in the same sense that's what he seems to be saying 
but there would still be some kind of difference of logical priority again like the the candle that lit all the other candles qualitatively same flame but but still it's like they the flame that they received um it, it you know it has the it has the the identity um of 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 Jesus um and um it was through through Jesus that they received it and um um It was like I said, and in terms of like truth is, is personal. It's mediated by persons, but it's like it's mediated by persons through a person almost. It's like you you become God through and in God, and I would say yeah. But ultimately, the way it's going, it's so Christocentric. It's like you become Jesus Christ. Uh, like Maximus said, like if it were possible, you become the Lord Himself, but only in and and through Jesus Christ. In other words, becoming God isn't just being identified with God's simpliciter. It's it's a oneness. You know, any any unity is a unity of distinct distinct items. Um, so it's like you know you can be one with God in God. Um, you know, achieve union with God again. Something like hypostatic union. Um, and, um, you know, here would maybe be a good time to introduce more qualifications in terms of what I mean by being God. Because I didn't do that too well in, in the other episode, Jesus is going to save you. Um, but before I do that, I'll just say, Stephen, again, we know that Stephen is not, is, is not, doesn't have this, this, this primacy, this logical priority, the way that, that, that Jesus has, because I'm, uh, because you know it, the meaning of his personhood is not that he's both God and man. He's sort of after the Christ event, and that he's he's you know and he's exhibiting that fractality that I that I talked about with those other three verses. Now let me just talk about what it means to to be God and what it means for the divine identity to be a shared identity. Uh, Jesus shows the meaning of being God. Rather than seeing equality with the Father as something to be grasped, he lays down, he lays his divinity down, and finally even his own mortal life. So, in other words, um, he 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 doesn't he doesn't um, you know being God doesn't mean like yep that's it everyone worships me now because the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. So rather than lord it over his disciples, he washes their feet. And rather than, and weirdly also, you notice that when when Jesus is is, is God, he's praying to God. <laughs> so this is, um, you know, and this is certainly, you know, the one is Pentecostal theologians always speak about this as as the the human nature, um praying to the divine nature rather than, um, let's say, one person of the Trinity praying to another person of the Trinity. In a way, this makes sense because, and, and when I say one is Pentecostal theologians, I'm actually only specifically thinking of David K. Bernard. He's the only one with, with, with whom I'm really familiar. But he said, look, all the persons of the Trinity have the same will. So the only difference in will can exist between, say, the human nature of Jesus Christ and um, any the will of any person of the Trinity because all the persons of the Trinity have the same will. So you might as well, you know, if it's a difference of will between the human nature of, of, of Jesus Christ and the Father, it's, it's might as well also, you might as well also say it's a difference of uh, 
will between the human nature of Jesus Christ and, and the um, divine nature of, of, of Jesus Christ or the divine nature of the Son. So, I mean, there's, there's, some, kind of, there's come, some kind of merit to that. Um, but I am not even sure that that, that is quite what, what is meant when, 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 when Jesus prays to God. I mean, because I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, because what I seem to know is that even God has an otherness within himself. <laughs> I seem to know I'm crazy. But I mean, even God has a sort of transcendent otherness within himself, which in a way is us and his own creation. Um, and, and, and so in other words, are we, so now am I saying the creation is God to God? Well, you know, I'm not even sure that, I'm not sure that's right or that's quite what I meant, but I'm also not sure it's, it's entirely wrong. Um, yeah, now I'm, I'm the one who's sort of getting ahead, um, of my head here, you know, to, to, to quote Luke a little bit. Um, but I, I say, yeah, rather than acknowledge only himself, Jesus prays to God, God submits to God. When you put on Christ, you will surely acknowledge a still higher and more transcendent God. So again, when I mean, when I say being God, I don't mean it's like, these, like, like, that's it. I'm the one that everyone worships now. Cause that's, that's the opposite of, that's the opposite of true divinity. That's what Jesus Christ showed us. Um, but, um, yeah, the theosis that you keep going back to, you are right to emphasize. I think that's the, that I, I think that is the meaning of Jesus Christ, and I think that's what it means to say that the universe is ultimately Jesus Christ. I think the universe that is Jesus Christ, the way you, you tell it from other universes, is that the, the universe that is Jesus Christ is the one in which every human being achieves union with God, it, uh, you know, achieves theosis, achieves divinity, becomes one with God and God. Or, you know, even just becomes the Lord himself, as Maximus said. Um, and um, without quite being one of the, the so-called isochristoi, like, like we're all Jesus, simply speaking, we're all, we're all Jesus without qualification, because it's not like that. That's, that's the thing that has to be appreciated. It's, 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 there's, there's, there's a yes and a no, you know, there's, there's a one and there's a oneness and a manyness aspect to this. Um, and uh, it ultimately it defies description, at least at least by the likes of me. But um, that's that is uh, what I have to say about that. Wait, actually, I, I need to make another recording um, regarding the business of God submitting to God, because I think that this is something that I I actually used to explain better with my older sort of uh, understanding of the Trinity that did have the kind of logos, the sarcos, the pre-incarnate or disincarnate word, which Luke rightly criticizes as like just not a thing. It's like an oxymoron. Um, but but here's here's the way that it would be useful. It's like we're God. So, so where God is the real universe, that something like a self-including set of all sets is God is everything real, including the, him, you know, himself or or, or the the universe itself. Um, you know, it's like e even the set is a member of that set. Um, he, um, he yet has this kind of, um, there, there is, there is like more of his own, let's say, untapped energy into which he can expand. 
sort of thing. Um, the, the, God, this is this is very difficult to talk about. Um, God is something like the union between you know the finite and the infinite. They're they're kind of they're kind of interplay, and and there's a sort of generativity that this allows. Um, if God is everything real, every the, everything real can still change and grow. Um, like Tyler was talking about, there's something that that um, is 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 perfect but not but not changelessly so it's it's perfect and also capable of becoming more perfect boy i really didn't do a good job of talking about that um but um so you know it's it's like the 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 again it's a kind of interplay between let's say the finite aspect if only because it's self-defined not externally defined um, of God and then the the undefined aspect you know like and so like that's why it's like trinity is useful every identity in a way it is a trinity because because every identity sort of decomposes into internally into like a relationship like there's 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 everything has the form of multiplex unity so it's like there's one thing and there's something else and then there's there's implicitly there's there's a kind of um relationship between them because there's there's x there's not x and there's what's between what's underneath both x and not x you know and then when we we have in mind the contrast between um that specific stratum x and not x and then the underlying one both x and not x it, that in turn it's like you, you know you rotate the diagram and then it's like you can imagine what's beneath what, or you know what's held in common between both specificity and generosity as such something like that so every, it's like every relationship is, it involves a triad and, 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 but, but the, the thing, so that's why God is triune, but then he's also simple. He's also one and the unity of God, it is, you know, it's, it's something tricky and impossible to pin down almost. It's dialectical. It's an alternation, but I think it's, it's God knowing us, knowing God, knowing us, knowing God, knowing us, which is Jesus. So Jesus is the unity of God. Jesus is is a member is an instantiation of the Godhead, but he's also the Godhead. So it's like fractal Jesus all the way down, um, and that interestingly helps to interpret um, helps to interpret um, John one, where you know it's like in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with uh, God, and the Word was God. We don't want to change the sense of the word God mid verse. You know, in the beginning was the Word, uh, and the Word was with God, the Son or the father and the word was God, the son. It's not quite, it's not quite clean interpretation. It's weirdly cleaner to say that in the beginning, the word was with the Trinity or the Godhead and the word was the Trinity or it was the Godhead was the unity um, within it. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, that, that is in terms of God submitting to God, then the otherness within God's self, it's like where God is identified as the creation, there's still something greater than what is than what is created, uh, potentially greater. And then sort of in the next moment, whatever is greater, it comes into being and then, you know, on and on. It, it, it's it's you never arrive at it at perfection. Um, but but well, somehow, but somehow, he, you know, perfection is already achieved at the same time. So that's what I'm not talking about very well, but I would like to add that.
Dude, so I loved both of those uh, last ones. I think there was one before it too that I really enjoyed. Um, I should have responded to them one at a time because now I'm like, oh man, uh, that was a lot. Um, put a lot in there and condensed it. Um, it was really good though. Um, no, but I think uh, there was one part where you said um, you didn't do a very good job describing it. And you said, and after, because it was right after you come off of saying something like, he's perfect, but he becomes more, but he becomes more perfect or something like that. Um, but I don't think that's wrong. I think it's, I think it's right. I think a lot of times is our, our, uh, maybe how we perceive the word perfect. Um, because, uh, you could see, I mean, well, I don't think there's anything wrong, I guess, in how we see the word perfect. It's just like we, there's, um, for some reason I think in my head, I normally think of like a, a stasis because I think of a, a completion which that, that's actually what it means as well but it's um but how can but when we think of something incomplete it's like Tyler said we think of it lacking change or lacking the ability to to change which would which would mean it would lack the ability to grow but I think something can be complete and it can still grow um because it works fractally but it's like that never um, it, it never severs the unity. Does that make sense? So the unity, like the Holy Spirit is perfect. So it's like, and that's the spirit of something like, like I say, it's the spirit of something like forgiveness. Um, I don't want to say it's forgiveness exactly because, um, I don't think there, because I think, I don't think there has, has to be a fall. Like, I don't think that has to be severed in order to have forgiveness. Like, I think it's just probably more something like unconditional love. So it's like... that. Well, that is never severed. I don't know what I'm saying. You know, because God's always holding us by that. But it's never um, turned from, you know? Like, there's never any... It never falls into dualism. You know, does that make sense? Like, it's always... Uh, the multiplicity is continually expanding, but... It, at the same time, it's being held in unity. Like, it never falls into any sort of dualism or, or there's never any severing. It's always... So it's continually perfect and complete, but continually growing and, like, changing and interworking. Like, I don't know. It's the spiral thing. That's how it's That's how it's looking in my head. Oh, gosh. I don't know, man. You're right. These things are hard to talk about. So the other thing, um, like, I just want to keep riffing on more because like, I feel like I'm tracking with you right when you're talking about um uh, God knowing us God knowing us God knowing us uh that sort of thing um I feel like I'm tracking with you right it's just like it's um I haven't found a way to put it simplistically necessarily like it, it's strange because it's like how is God um the create the the creation, because it's like, you, you mentioned, um, if God is the Son of Man, if, if he is Jesus Christ, like, well then, and if God is eternal, then he always was the Son of Man, right? And how does that work? It's just like, it's such a strange thing, like, how is, because we think of creation, like, in, in time, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it's like, well, where, if God always was, then, and he's in those things, and he's in his creation, uh, Jesus Christ is like a, from made of the flesh of the earth then it's like well you see there you see what i mean it's it's hard for me to even talk about or conceptualize but it's like i don't want to say that those things were always in the mind of god and that's how they existed because that seems like a, a reduction of it like it seems like it should actually be 
um, I really want to push the limits of it, you know, and push it and say, no, it was, it always was like somehow, it, somehow it always was, it always was, uh, um, um, all those, gosh, does that even make sense? The son of man always was. <laughs> this is a strange statement. Son of man without father, without mother. So how is he the son of man if he's doesn't have a father? I don't, I don't know. Um, Maybe and maybe that's wrong to say, but but I don't for some reason I don't necessarily think it is, um, and I think it's because of that perfection or that completion somehow. The way the way I'm seeing it is like this. This I, I used to describe it before as like a perpetual mercy machine. It's like this continual working, like this spiral, uh, like the donut thing you showed me the weird donut shape thing where things are flowing out and flowing back into each other, but it's all like happening at once. Um, so it's like in somehow in that way, I don't know, it just becomes some weird sort of like mandala, like psychedelic trip thing when I try to talk about these things. Um, but that's why I, I was saying like you have something that I want because uh, it's this, it's something in seeing that where I'm like, it is, it, it's when I can look and and see with the eyes of Thomas and that's what I'm, that's what I'm after. That that's what it is. Uh, just say it. Say it plainly. It's like uh, I want the eyes of the twin, and the twin size where you can look and you can see. You can see, and say, "My Lord and my God." Um, and I'm like, what a statement. Like I I I don't know that I'm there yet because, but I think it is in this, in in everything you're talking about. It's wrapped up in here and it's wrapped up in theosis and it's it's a, uh, um. Gosh, I don't even know if I should send this. Um, you know, because the twin, like, this even gets into, like, Greek mythology and I think astrology and everything. Like, there's just so much there, man. Um, but it's, uh, gosh, I don't even know how to put it. The times, um, the times that I, I think I can look at a human being and say, my Lord and my God and really really mean it um i think the times the times i'm fine i'm most likely to do something like that is maybe when i see when you see like a newborn uh you can just look at it and there's something something about it where you could just say you look at this child uh newborn infant and just say my lord and my god um and so i think there's somehow christ always held that nature um even though he grew up, he held that that spirit of that 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 childlikeness. I, th- I mean, we talk about this a lot, um, and so in that, and I think it's kind of this return to that or something in this theosis state. I don't really know, man. Uh, in the youth with Metatron, there's just so much here. My God, it's so hard. It's so hard to be together. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I, every time I feel like I respond to your messages, I feel like I just muddle them up. Um, but you're doing great. Um, so. Yeah, I really appreciate everything you had to say. I had to listen to those twice, and now I'm going to have to go back and listen to them again. Because, <laughs> obviously, uh, I don't know, man. I need to chill my mind out today. My, I haven't even had that much Diet do, but my mind feels like it's... Maybe that's why I need some Diet do Because it just feels like it's shooting off in all different directions constantly all day. Goodness gracious. Ugh. Okay, so it's time to address um, your recording, which... Um, in part, 
um, dealt with the question of how it is that, you know, Jesus can be eternally son of man. In other words, eternally the product of some kind of linear uh, time sequence. You know, it, it's, it is very confusing. So to add more confusion into the mix, I'm going to read a very long selection from Christopher Langan. Um, and um, it's from his book, The Art of Knowing. And um, it, it, it concerns time and t time as a sort of loop. This is all very important stuff because, you know, when we reason theologically, we, we don't want to sort of commit the sin of positing some kind of more original time and space to which God is subject I recall a phrase from Tom, uh, from from Augustine, uh, like the moment time was created, um, you know, it's like that seems to imply some more original, absolute, like Newtonian time. Um, and that that seems like a problem. Um, similarly, the sort of cabalistic notion of a symptom or a divine withdrawal, I mean, as as correct as it may be in its intuitions. Um, it seems to presuppose some kind of uh, like more original space that God is withdrawing from and, and, and some more original space that he's withdrawing into, like this absolute background space. And so, but of course, you know, it's like if that's not what's meant, then what is meant? Well, maybe something like the, you know, the death of Christ is meant. Um but but that that's the weird way that Christ always ends up being more presupposed than proven. Um, it's like you need to presuppose Jesus, perhaps, in order to have a symptom. Uh, uh, and then the question is whether the symptom is necessary. But anyway, let's let's listen to. I mean, this is all speculation. I'm not saying that any of this is like rigorous, like you know, deductive stuff. Um, let, let's let's read from Langan. Um, I'm jumping toward the end. Um, before we get to the final word on time, there is one more aspect of physical grammar that must be considered. Physical reasoning sometimes requires a distinction between two kinds of time, ordinary time and cosmic time. With respect to observations made at normal velocities, ordinary time behaves in a way described by Newtonian analytic geometry at higher velocities and in the presence of strong gravitational fields, it behaves according to Einstein's special and general theories of relativity. But not long after Einstein formulated his general theory, it was discovered that the universe, that is space-time, was expanding. Um, because cosmic expansion seems to imply that the universe began as a dimensionless point, the universe must have been created, and the creation event must have occurred on a higher level of time, cosmic time, Whereas ordinary time accommodates changes occurring within the space-time manifold, this is obviously not so for the kind of time in which the manifold itself changes. So notice it's like, it's almost this requirement that, because the thing is ultimate reality, from some absolute external vantage point, it would be uncreated. We wouldn't speak of its creation. However, it's also not legitimate to speak of an absolute external vantage point from ultimate reality. Um, you think you can think of it, but it, that's kind of like thinking you can think um, of um, getting a result um, from the division of a circle circumference by its diameter, you know, of some series of digits other than pi. You think you can get it, but you can't. And so anyway, it's like within 
the the point here is like within ultimate reality the universe is self-created because everything has everything has a reason everything has a cause it's like the principle of sufficient reason so it's not uncreated but self-created so in within this kind of language of self-creation there has to be a zero point or big bang or symptom or something um and um so it's like perhaps theology needs to accommodate or account for that and the question is how and where and in what way so okay let's go back to langan again we're not like i, I don't know if, if all this is right i'm just saying and, and i'm not claiming to understand all of it i'm just saying listen for the music now for the fly and the cosmological ointment as we have seen it is the nature of the cognitive self to formulate models incorporating ever higher levels of change or time obviously the highest level of change is that characterizing the creation of reality Prior to the moment of creation, the universe was not there. Afterwards, the universe was there. This represents a sizable change indeed. Unfortunately, it also constitutes a sizable paradox. If the creation of reality was a real event, and if this event occurred in cosmic time, then cosmic time itself is real, but then cosmic time is an aspect of reality and can only have been created with reality. This implies that cosmic time and, in fact, reality must have created themselves. So now we're talking about like sort of the, the self-created God. God is God knowing us, knowing God knowing us, knowing God knowing us. In other words, and the God knowing us, knowing God knowing us equation, he's not merely God on one side of the wall. He's the whole thing. So in other words, if we talk about like a kind of bi-directional loop where it's like um, the Big Bang gave rise to human beings, but then the consciousness of human beings allowed for the retrospective observation and therefore reality of, of, of the Big Bang that is kind of closing a loop. And it's, it's like, um, so man is like the self-understanding of God, suggest, suggestively, you know, perhaps answering why God has to incarnate as a man to be at the sort of absolute lynch point or linchpin or center point of, you know, the kind of whole, let's say, you know, manifold or, or, or symbolic hierarchy, um, you know, of heaven and earth of the general and the specific. Um, um, so, you know, you have this, this, this kind of bi-directional loop of like, not only God creating, or God creating man, but man creating God. And in that loop, it's like, God isn't just the God term in that equation. God is the whole thing. God is, God is the whole, let's say, self-creative process whereby God creates man and man creates God. Something like that. Um, and you know that's all jesus <laughs> sunday school style um uh, the idea that the universe created itself brings a whole new meaning to bidirectional time and thus to the idea that cognition may play a role in the creation of reality as a self-creative mechanism for the universe is sought it becomes apparent that cognition is the only process lending itself to plausible interpretation as a means of temporal feedback from present to past where cognition to play such a role, then in a literal sense, its most universal models of temporal reality would become identical to the reality being modeled. Time would become cognition, and space would become a system of geometric relations that evolves by distributed cognitive processing. Here comes the surprise. Such a model exists. Appropriately enough, it is called the Cognition Theoretic Model of the Universe. Boy, this is old. Um, it's, it's, it has a slightly different title cognition theoretic model of the universe 
Um, a cross between John Archibald Wheeler's participatory universe and the Stephen Hawking, James Hartle imaginary time theory of cosmology proposed in Hawking's phenomenal book, A Brief History of Time, the, hit, the CTMU resolves many of the most intractable paradoxes known to physical science while explaining recent data which indicate that the universe is expanding at an accelerating rate. Better yet, it bestows on human consciousness a level of meaning that was previously approached only by religion and mysticism, perhaps surpassed by them, but anyway, if it passes the test of time, and there are many good reasons to think that it will, then it will be the greatest step that humanity has yet taken towards a real understanding of its most or least timeless mystery. Um, yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see about that. Um, you know, might be getting a little hubristic there, although he might also be correct in a certain way. Um, and so the circle closes. Time becomes a cosmogonic loop whereby the universe creates itself. The origin of our time concept, the self, becomes the origin of time itself. Our cognitive models of time becomes become a model of time as cognition. And the languages of cognition and physics become one self-configuring, self-processing language, of which time is the unified grammar. Talk about time out of mind. All right. Um, so, so that was, and I didn't even find the part that I think prompted me to try to read it. Um, but anyway, I sort of summarized it. You know, it is it is what it is. Um, but so anyway, here's perhaps how it relates to incarnation. If we're talking about like this kenosis or symptom or Big Bang or Gnostic God explosion, like this zero point, the, you know, the, the zero point of cosmogony. It's like we can't have God withdrawing from some more original space. That won't work. There's some way where that that entire closed loop of time slash eternity um <sighs> boy this is hard to talk about if you have like if you have like um some kind of loop of 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 almost temporal events um uh that that they they have a sort of mutual contingency. They're mutually contingent on each other. The, the loop itself becomes necessary, and the loop is something like eternity. That To have that zero point, it's like you need to already also have everything else. Uh, you, need to, you need to have, you know, like, to have that alpha, you need also simultaneously to have the omega. It's not going to be de derived in some linear or deductive or sequential fashion. Um, and so it's like, that's why it's like, in, in order to give something up, he has already to be Christ um, um, in the creation, which is his own incarnation, his own self. Um, um, it, 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 in, in, in order, in order for this for this kenosis to work, because because otherwise, what is, is we're going to have God withdrawing from some more original space? or we appeal to mystery, well, then I can appeal to mystery with the incarnation, which is really what I should do rather than try to explain it. But um, but no, I mean, I, maybe you can catch a glimpse of what I'm talking about here. But but the but the the frustrating thing is, again, it never quite yields Christ as the product of some valid deductive process, never is the conclusion, but he's always there requisite as 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 the as the presupposition somehow perhaps but um you know you talk about the eyes of thomas and things like that i don't have that you know i can barely 
get myself to, you know, do what I, like the bare minimum of what I should do, not even as a Christian, but just like, you know, just like a halfway decent human being, right? Even the publicans do this, etc. So, you know, don't, you know, don't think I have that. Um, I think that what just, just philosophically, what keeps pushing me to Christ um, is again, not some kind of rigorous deductive proof because who has that for anything in theology? We're all so out of our depth in, in it. But, but, but the thing is at the same time, we can't be in total mystery and silence because, because um, what we know has to have a little bit of overlap or interplay with what reality is. There can't be some kind of absolute disjunction or divide there between. Um, and we can't help knowing what we know and, 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 and we can't help but being compelled, but be compelled by what, what beguiles us and what we seem to almost apprehend, but, but not, not, not deductively. So, but anyway, but for me, what, what, what makes Christ so, um, uh, so intriguing, um, is, is this kind of messy interplay um, between, let's say, time and eternity that's, that's presupposed by process theism. The kind of absolute monisms of, of Judaism and Islam, it seems to me, make God too transcendent in order uh, for their, their models of reality to have a chance of working. They always seem to end up presupposing some kind of absolute background space and or time in which God exists all by himself, um, you know, prior to any creation, I don't think that's how it works. And if, and if sort of creator and creation are necessarily intertwined, uh, how deep and how fractal, um, is this intertwinement and what, what does it ultimately look like? I mean, perhaps there's an answer to be found within the, the tapestry, um, of, of, you know, history itself um and uh you know in other words you know perhaps god rather than remain some kind of timelessly aloof and distant uh, deistic type god um perhaps he has condescended to show himself to us in a way where he's truly in in, in everything once we see the pattern this the the, the of, you know of the event which is central to history sort of like on the road to emmaus the scriptures speak of me in every in everything in every way, and then you know so does the so does the the world, which is is the word um, when you when you have the eyes to see it. But again, that's not that's not like some kind of just deductive proof that it's that would you know be susceptible to something like girdle style incompleteness. You know, it's it's the opposite of that. It's it's the the very reflexivity. And self-referentiality that is pointed at, required by um, Gödel's incompleteness, and Langen has some beautiful writing on that, which I really like, which I may share sometime. But it's, I mean, it's difficult to understand as all his writing is. And um, anyway, so yeah. I haven't listened to the last one yet, but man, this is gosh, extremely interesting stuff. Uh, extremely high level. It's really hard for me to follow. I'm, I hope I'm. I probably need to go back and listen again. I listened to the first one twice, but especially when you're reading, um, it, uh, it's just, I think maybe because I'm not super familiar with his writing style either, that it's hard for me to track what he's saying or piece it together. Um, 
but it's really interesting. And I think it's just causing me to realize exactly how little I've thought about it and how much more I need to think about it. Because even the idea of uh, time related to relativity is, uh, he was talking about that's almost like a different level of time. Um, I often forget about that one. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I don't know, it's really interesting. It's hard for me to conceptualize. Like, I just, I almost, my mind keep want, keeps wanting to try to find like an image or something to put it in. And I kind of keep thinking of that weird donut loop thing you mentioned. Um, where, or like a weird spiral where it's kind of like the relativity of time has something to do with attention or like a loving gaze maybe like Luke Thompson talks about. And so it's like, it's this weird spiral that's almost spiraling down and getting more and more precise and smaller. And then it hits at the pinpoint and then it like starts to spiral back out or something. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm trying to track in my head, but it's, you're right. This is complicated stuff. Um, I don't know. Extremely interesting though. Did that last one. I really liked your last message. Um, yeah, the way you describe it, um, And how, how particular uh, God is through Christ, how relational he is and everything. Um, it's really, really found in, in Christianity um, where he reaches to the, I would say the depths, yeah, the depths of his creation, the uttermost parts, especially through Christianity. Um, yeah, it's incredibly beautiful. And as for the eyes of Thomas, though, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know that you necessarily have them either, but I think... To I mean, I think uh, you're you're close, or at least like they're. It's like the tips of your, of the fingers, or something like that, you know. And it's one of those things, like, you know, I may never get get that. <laughs> the eyes of the twin. It's just interesting. Like they always call him Thomas the twin, Thomas the twin, and I'm like, what? It's very interesting. But it just uh, the thought of how glorious that would be to just to see with with those eyes to see something like that um where not only you could look at christ and say my lord and my god but you could also look at creation and theosis and all those things and say my lord and my god and in a way you can but there's just a way for some reason i'm thinking there's just a way where it hits it hits thomas on this other level where it's just uh there's a way where it hits, I think, so perfectly that there isn't, you know, where we talk about the weird, the weird sort of duality, where, but things aren't really dual, where you're able to hold um, the particular and the universal, like, it, with, it, both with one eye, like, you have one eye looking at the particular and the other one at the universal, and you just, they blend so perfectly that it's so glorious and so unmistakable. And it's like, I feel like that's, that's what, uh, probably hit Thomas, um, in that moment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, something had to hit the guy hard enough to go to India and get, what did he get, skinned alive or something like that? I thought he had, like, the worst of the martyrs. I don't know, but it just would be, um, yeah, I don't know. It'd just be a beautiful thing to see that way. But we're getting there, but at the same time, it's like, you know, there's this it should all always be a mystery like there should always be a mystery because it's there's a that's just how 
how relationships are anyway there's always a mystery because we're all infinite and we're all eternal and god is eternal and so if there's this this uh what did you say this fractal intertwinement that goes both up and down it's like it's ever it's ever digging deep and ever expanding out and it's like there's uh so you know we're never gonna see it all because as soon as we see it it, the fractal nature of it just like keeps going and then uh yeah it's always this this intertwinement this dance i guess uh yeah good stuff man okay so at this point i asked jason in text do you want to release this christological exchange as a podcast and if so what do you want to call it For some reason, the phrase, my Lord and my God, is sticking in my mind. I think it is because, um, I think, I think because it is this totalizing thing, making Jesus both Lord and God, Adonai Yahweh. Paul says there is one Lord Jesus Christ and one God the Father, but I suspect the, 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 the ultimate meaning is, is that Jesus is both, sort of like, in being lion and lamb or you know being being the the union of opposites or the the reconciliation of opposites he's beyond that binary of the visible Yahweh and the invisible Yahweh he's sort of the Yahweh beneath that binary and he would that would seem also to make him beyond the binary of say ancient of days and son of man or more fundamental than it, that which underlies it, and same with the Son and the Father. Um, uh, so, you know, that that's obviously heavy, if true, and, 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 and definitely striking a different note than, than Christian Orthodoxy, although I don't know if it's strictly against it, because it's not negating the Trinity, it's just making the Trinity fractal, making Jesus the unity of God. Um, making him the godness, the, the Godhead, in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily, indwelt bodily. Um, so anyway, um, and so I wrote, Jesus is what joins creation to God and is therefore God more fundamentally. And in response to that line, which I initially mistyped as Jesus is what joins God to God, rather than Jesus is what joins creation to God, um, uh, explaining Jason's own misquotation of it. Um, Jason uh, responded as follows. Yeah, it's this. It's this exact thing. Like, I love how you say this. Um, this needs to be, this is one for the books as well. Um, yeah, Jesus is what joins God to God and is therefore more fundamental. And then, you know, in the reason it's so astounding to me is like because thomas says that looking at christ you know my lord and my god and it's like seeing christ seated on the throne of the father and seeing god in christ um but then there's this way i mean just what's gonna i don't know what hits me is like when i think about that in regards to theosis i'm like um how beautiful it would be to to have that that encounter that in interaction with thomas and christ to have it happen fractally 
with all creation, you know? It's like all creation is groaning for that. Um, and that man, they're waiting for the sons of God. Like, they're waiting for all humanity to be what joins God to God, what joins the creature to the, cre the uh, creator to the creature. And, like, um, it's like every every creation is crying out for a mediator back to its creator. And it's like it's always there, but it's like we're in this state of, like, we're, I don't know. Where, yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure what I'm getting at. But it seems like the Thomas thing is like, it's always called Thomas the twin. It's like, so there's always these two. It's like the right hand, left hand, right eye, left eye. And it's like, he's able to see with both. And he's able to to just, uh, there's something about that, man. And, and so the twin, so in the twins in astrology is Gemini, right? And if you look up the Greek story about that, it's a, uh, it's basically about a son of man and a son of God. It's these two brothers. One of them's the son of God and one of them's the son of man. And they're so joined together and inseparable. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy how this stuff works together, man. But there's so much there. It's something, uh, Castor, and I can't remember this brother's name. I need to listen to it again. I've only heard it like once or twice, but. So I think um, Jason is here referencing um, the mythological figures of Castor and Pollux, about whom I read on Wikipedia, um, uh, that uh, there's there's a lot of different information on their parentage, um, but one consistent point is that if one of them uh, is immortal, it's only one of them. Um, here I'm quoting the Wikipedia page on um, Castor and Pollux. In Latin, the twins are also known as the Gemini or Castores, as well as the uh, Tinderidae or, or Tinderids. Pollux asked Zeus to let him share his own immortality with his twin to keep them together, and they were transf transformed into the constellation Gemini. And they're regarded as patrons of sailors, to whom they appear as St. Almost Fire. Very interesting. There's something rising in the east Just over the horizon Oh, it's rising Like smoke from fire Like a ship on a wave Like burning desire If we see the light